You're listening to Healing Voices Project, where we share stories and the latest information from people who fight addiction every day. I'm Mike Torville, your host and author of Voices from the Fallen. Thank you for listening, for following, and most of all, for sharing with people you care about. Make your voice count too. Everybody, thanks for joining us back again here at Healing Voices Project. We're glad to have you. And today we have a special guest all the way from Canada, uh, a little farther away than our normal guest. But we're really glad to have Chuck LaFlange here with us. And Chuck uh, has his own um, incredible story of recover, recovery after many, many years. Um, and he also now runs a podcast called Ashes to Awesome Podcast uh, with Chuck LaFlange. And, and one of the things I've gotten to know talking to Chuck is is just how passionate he is and I could talk to Chuck for hours and hours and hours and as you'll see as we get going engage in our conversation um, he's a busy guy he has a podcast that runs six days a week um, Memorial Monday topic Tuesday RBK kaleidoscope Wednesday just the tips Thursday family Friday and then of course the weekend ramble so uh, Chuck thank you for joining us Ah, you're well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sure. having me. Sure. Yeah, I don't know um, how you I, keep up because six days a week is a heavy well, load. I got to be honest. Um, we've moved away from the six day a week format uh, oh. recently. Yeah. Um, because it's unsustainable. It's just not. It's not something well. a person can do realistically. Once I went to video as well as as audio, we yeah. had to we had to move away from that. So now I do three for sure episodes a week. Yeah. Um, the the weekend ramble, kaleidoscope Wednesday, and then the third episode is static, and and that could be any one of the other. You know, talk, it could be a Memorial Monday or a you know a, a Family Friday or, or whatever, right? So yeah, yeah. So yeah. do you? But, uh, uh, I'm going to ask a stupid question, uh, Chuck. But do you ever run out of things to say? Never. No, no, no. I just don't. <laughs> right. Um, the moment we switch from a, uh, a recovery thing where it wasn't all about recovery stories, and we started focusing on the families, we the content became unlimited. Right. And, and as you know, because you know, your, your whole brand is basically around the families, right? As best I understand it so far, um, there's, yeah. there's just so much, there's so much to talk about. Right. So, yeah. 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 You're right. And then, uh, but I, I really give you credit cause it's a lot. Now I, I know with, with the podcast that you do and you're, it's your full time, you're just at it all the time. It's a, it's a lot to carry on. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about so many topics. You talk about the families a lot. Talk about stigma, and I know we're going to get into that. And I, I think <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. And, and I think, and, and all the changes because you were, you've been in recovery now for how long? In recovery? How long are you in recovery? Yeah. Um, it'll be a year next month. Yeah, a year we're, next we're month. Like three weeks away. Three three weeks and a day away from a year for me. Yeah. And yeah. and how long were you actively using? 25 years, 25 give or take. Years. Yeah, yeah. There's peaks and valleys, right? Yeah. Like it's, um, th there was a lot of high functioning years in there mm -hmm. and then a lot of not so much, right? I've, I've hit a few rock bottoms over the years and, you know, but um, I, I never attempted recovery until almost two years ago now. It was the first time that I ever attempted to, to be sober. And then it, it took me a better part of a year to, to go from 
attempting to be sober to getting sober, right? So, you know, right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, we're going to talk about your program. Uh, I know we're mm-hmm. going to do that, but let's, to give it some context, why don't we yeah. talk about how your story started? Where did this all begin? You were a younger man back then. So. <laughs> I was so, I was, that was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, you know, often you hear the, the stories of a crazy traumatic childhood and all of those things. And, and one of the things that's funny about, about myself is, you know, we grew up, um, you know, pretty normal. I had a twin brother up until I was 12. And then I had a baby brother after that. Uh, we lived in the, we moved out to the country when I was 10 or 11 years old and I could dirt bike and swim and horseback ride. And, you know, cause we, we lived on a private lake. Like I could do all these things in an afternoon and often did. We had a really crazy, you know, we, we certainly weren't wealthy by any standard. You know, we were definitely lower middle class, but mom did the best with what she had. We, you know, we, we never felt you know, we never felt that we were, well, we did. We felt like we were without, but we were normal poor kids anyway, right? So I had all the normal things, but then I left at 14 because I knew everything, of course, as you do at that age, you know? And um, from that point, I just slowly, very slowly turned into a life of, of insanity and chaos, Right. Um, I ended up in jail a few times in, in juvie, you know, right, um, as, as a, a minor. teenager, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, when I was 18, it was a month after my 18th birthday that I went to jail, jail for the first time, to, to big boys jail, you know, and um, I was there for seven months. I learned, I, I, I met a lot of people there, you know, and I learned a lot of things about stuff, and by the time well, I was can 18, I ask you, uh, you know, what did yeah. you go to jail for when you were 18? Um, that was break and enter, fraud, and... Yeah, break and enter and fraud was it was at the eighteenth, right? Which was my typical um a lot of break and enters, always shops and like gas stations and restaurants and that type of thing. Um I was never into the houses like other guys were. Um it would always creep me out to be in somebody else's house and I always thought, what would I do if I found somebody in my home, right? But um so you know, we we stuck to what I thought was a, a higher moral ground you know, by doing restaurants and gas. But at the end of the day, it's somebody's hard earned business, you know, they're they're small businesses. You know, because they're the ones without alarms, right? So you you might as well be breaking into somebody's home. Knowing what I do now and being an entrepreneur a few times over over the years, mm-hmm. you might as well just break into somebody's home if you're going to break into their business because it's you know it's a crap thing to do. So yeah. still personal. Right. Yeah, yeah, very, very personal, very yeah. personal. Yeah, yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. so you you ended up in jail, um, um, and this was you were uh, <laughs> how, how long were you there? And what I was eighteen by a month, after? and I was being sentenced by for my first, uh, for my first adult crime. Right. Um, and, and then when I got out, um, you know, I, I just started hanging out with, well, the same old people really at the end of the day, the thing about me is I was an entrepreneur. So if you mix that with somebody who's doing drugs, you know, like I, I, I tried cocaine when I was, well, when I was 17, but 18 really is when I started to get into it. 19, I tried crack, um, and really tried crack anyway, you know, got into it. And that, that was, that was my first true love is what that was. That was horrible. Right. Um, but even after like a year after I started that, I, um, I hit my first rock bottom. You know, I woke up one day, went, got no power. I got no, got no friends. What the hell happened to all my friends? I've got, you know, my family's not talking. What, what have I done? And I stopped doing crack and I just, this is, this is a ridiculously relative thing to say. 
I just started snorting coke, right? So, and 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 that's again, if you're not in the lifestyle, that's a ridiculous statement to hear. And I appreciate that to, to the listener right now, he listens to this and goes, "What the hell?" Right? But it was, if you're in the lifestyle, the two it, it makes more sense if, if if you know if you have some context to it. And for 20 years, 19 years and nine months, I stayed off that pipe. And I was somewhat high functioning. I, I had businesses, um, you know, I, I had a couple different moving companies. I had a, a temp agency for, for a little while. Um, I what opened you some you, vape you shops. You had businesses, meaning you, you ran these businesses? I ran businesses, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I, I opened some vape shops when that was a new thing, like the, the vaping for, you know, um, we had, in, in the course of a year, I had four stores in four cities, right? Like it just went nuts. Like I, I, I did enjoy some, some success. In, in whatever job I had in this in those times, I did well at, very well at. You know, I was I was always in charge of my surroundings. Most certainly, you know, I saw promotion after promotion. Everything I did, I I did well, but I always liked the dope, right? And if you combine an entrepreneurial spirit with somebody who likes their dope, you get a drug dealer. So other people want to or have to steal to supply their habits. Me, I just sold more dope. And I was better than the guy stealing because I was mm. just buying the drugs to people who were stealing. Doesn't really, the math doesn't check out, right? Um, yeah. So I was no better than anybody, but I thought I was for a long time. Mm. Um, and eventually, uh, eventually I tried crack again and that was the beginning of the end, right? The moment I tried, like 19 years and nine months and the moment I picked that up, I was done. It was all over for me, right? I, I made up for a lot of lost time there. And uh, things got really bad really fast. I experienced violence. I should say, the drug scene has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. In a way that if you've been sober for even five years or more, definitely say seven, you really have no idea what it's like out there anymore. It is, with the, with the onset of fentanyl and meth, Mm-hmm. You know, you've got one drug that people will do absolutely anything for. They're physically and psychologically addicted to it like nothing ever has ever been. It's a heroin on, on steroids, and that's fentanyl, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have meth, another drug that'll keep people awake for two weeks at a time doing it. So it's this perfect storm of chaos has hit the scene in a way now where violence I'd gone 20 years of being in the drug game in, in one form or another, and quite often high up in the, in, you know, in, in the game without ever experiencing violence of any kind. I had never once was worried. I was never nothing for 20 years. And then fentanyl and meth came on the scene, and in the course of two years, I went through unspeakable things. I was kidnapped. I was robbed. I was held hostage. I was tortured. I was like the list of extreme violence went from zero to countless overnight with the onset of meth and fentanyl into the drug scene. Oh, so you were a victim of some of this violence. I was absolutely. Yeah. And and why was that? Because they had, you had something they wanted or what was the, I was was being robbed. Right. Always. Right. Is that what it was? Yeah. And and when I didn't have it, you know, the, the, the being held hostage part, that was, they were trying to get me to set up my drug dealers. Right. So it was always something that I had, whether it was my connection or my, you know, my actual dope or money. But, and it was horrible. It was like the trauma that I faced in that last two years of active addiction was some of the worst 
it still it still affects me. I'm still working through that trauma now, of course, right? Like it's, course. it hasn't been that long. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, sure. yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, you've survived 25 years of your active yeah. use and addiction. Yeah. Do you think if things were the way they are now back then, you would have gone through the 25 years alive? Oh, I'd be dead or sober. Yeah. Right. There's I I mm. to live now through 25 years of what's happening. I don't think is a thing. And I don't think a person does that, especially with fentanyl, right? Um, we're, we're seeing deaths now skyrocket with fentanyl because people have been addicted to it. It's, you know, it's been around for five or six years of real, like, you know, as a street drug. And now the dose that kills you or the dose that gets you high kills you, mm-hmm. right? Because people's tolerances is built up so high, you know, then you add in benzos, you know, the, the cuts that they're using nowadays, benzodiazepines or, you know, Xanax and, and that type of thing to it, which, you know, um, Narcan has no effect on. And people are taking more and more. And now they're really starting to die. Now we're really starting to see the effects of fentanyl as a street drug, right? Which is yeah, awful. And, and xylazine, too. Uh, yeah, bad. right? Because it wasn't bad enough, you right. know? Right? <laughs> you know? That's horrible. Right? That, and that, that's a new thing to me. So xylazine wasn't in it when I was when I was around that, mm-hmm. right? Um, when I was around that, Narcan still worked on everybody, right? Like, I, and, you know, I, I Narcan my fair share of people. Um, the xylazine crap, like, and that's what, that's the stuff that causes the, the open wounds, right? The festering wounds and the, you know, in people, I, I believe right. that's that's the, Yeah, it's like right? a leprosy almost, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? How did you take the worst drug ever, ever to hit the world in the history of ever and make it worse, right? Like, who who what kind what brand of evil did that you know right and it's just it's messed up man it is it is you know so yeah yeah. well in in your years i'm jumping back a little bit and if i think about that kind of time 25 years especially like you said the last two or so were the most severe in that time your family your friends your relationships so much has changed people evolve kids grow up um, how has that affected your family and friend relationship over that oh, amount of time? Wow. So, yeah. Well, the family relationship was rocky, yeah. right? Um, I separated myself from the family, you know, out of guilt and shame. So I, I wasn't around stealing from everybody and those things that, that, that happen. Yeah. I would just go, go off grid for a year, two, three years at a time, right? Nobody would hear from me. Which is almost worse, I think. I, I, I don't know. I, I think both both ways of being an addict to your family suck. I, I don't think worse is the right term, right? Um, I think it's really crappy in, in, in its own way, right? The families, what they have to go through. So, you know, my mom literally three years we didn't talk, right? Um, for Right up until I decided, you know, it was time to, just before I decided it was time to get sober, right? Um yeah, those last three years of it, we really didn't talk, right? You know, so I think that's, again, worse isn't the right word, but it's its own kind of hell for a family. My friends, now here's an interesting part. I left the city where I am now is Calgary. I left Calgary to go to Saskatchewan, which is the next province over, um, 15 years ago, and to do better. And I did better for a little while, but I was still using, so ultimately that catches up to you. Um, and then 
for for most of that 15 years, I was, you know, screwing things up pretty bad. And, and I just went off. Most of my friends back here never would have heard from me. When I got back, though, the coolest thing happened. When I got back and my friends from 20 years previous found out I was in town and sober, doors opened, phone calls came, messages came, and I am blessed. I am truly blessed. Wow. Yeah. Most of the people I talk to today, I was friends with 20 years ago, right? I, the vast majority of them. Most of the people on the Ashes to Awesome team, I was friends with 20 years ago, right? It is, mm -hmm. It's been this amazing, the, uh, I am blessed. I really am, right? You know, um, it's, 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 I'm fortunate that way. My, my yeah. family has embraced, like, I, I got all that back in an insanely fast amount of time. Right. And it was crazy because the last time I saw you know, one of my very closest friends, Kyle, um, the last time I saw him, I was holding his oldest son in a picture. Right. Or I guess, no, it'd be his, his daughter who's like a year younger. But I was holding her in a picture the last time I saw them. And I come back to town and she's 20 and she's like a model. And she's like, I'm like, wow, <laughs> what's happened? You <laughs> yeah. know? But they, they like their whole lives have happened. But my life didn't happen. Right. My life's just starting really at the end of the day now, which is it's that part can be a little frustrating sometimes. And, you know, I have to put that back in check sometimes. But, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I wasted a lot of years. I wasted a lot of years, but I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with with a community now that is just it's stellar. It's I, I couldn't be, you know, could be more grateful for them. All of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 the thing. And you're very fortunate. Right. One that you're that you're here and alive to, to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> number yeah. one. And number two, that <laughs> yeah. you've been able to renew those friendships because uh, a lot of times they're sometimes severed uh, irreparably, but, but that's great. That means a lot. And then, you know, story. I was thinking about it with your businesses that you said you were successful and just think what yeah. had you not gone into addiction. Oh man. I, I try not to, to be honest with you. I, I try really hard not to, right. Sex, you know, but you have to, um, I, I tell yeah. myself now that, you know, what I'm doing, I can be successful at what mm -hmm. I'm, you know, like, here's the thing. If all the drug addicts in the world sobered up at the same time, the rest of you would be screwed because you'd all be working for us. Right. We like, do you have any idea what it takes to maintain a $500 a day habit and to survive and to like, do you have any of the amount of ingenuity, tenacity, commitment it takes to do those things? Right. We'd have world hunger, you know, uh, global warming. We, we'd know where all the socks went that went into the dryer. We'd, like, that's all nonsense compared to the crap that we have to try, you know, to, what it's like to be an addict, especially in today's, you know, changed landscape, right? So right? it's a different that's, level of your mind that most of us don't ever have to get to. Right. right. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, like you can't, and, and again, though, the level, like the tenacity it takes to supply a habit like that, like the, the daily grind, the hustle. That, that you have to have, right? To just, and keeping in mind, mine was crack, and I don't mean just crack, because psychologically it's addicting. But to somebody who would say an opioid addiction, right? To them, they get up in the morning, and like, like as soon as they wake up, they slept, their life sucks because now they're dope sick. And they're in pain, and they're, they're like in horrible, horrible pain. If you've ever seen somebody who's dope sick, now they have to get up and solve that problem every single day. Can you imagine if that person was able to put that kind of energy into selling cars or 
or whatever, whatever kind of life. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So again, like if it ever happens, if they come up with a pill that cures addiction, the rest of you are screwed because you're all going to be our minions. That's how that ends, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've seen some things like, oh, how did they think of that? How did that? Yeah, but yet there's where there's a way. Wow. Wow. I remember. Here, I'll, I'll give you a funny yeah. one. Yeah. Stab lock breakers. You know what a breaker in your home, right? The factory burns down yep. a couple of years ago or something like that, or they shut it down, or I, I don't, I'm not even sure what happened. But they became in very short supply, these stab lock breakers, right? Um, this is just a few years ago now. People, like the addicts around me, were going, like a house would burn down. They'd be like jumping into that place before anybody had a chance. Like as soon as the fire was out, they boarded it up. Somebody would be in there with a crowbar. They'd pull it off. They'd go downstairs, and they'd pull all these fucking breakers. Because they're now they're worth money, and they'd sell them to an electrician. Who thought? Like, who thinks that, right? But like, they, somebody told them there's a there's a there's a right. reduced supply of these, so they're going to go up in value. And all of a sudden, boom! <laughs> like, who who thinks of that stuff, right? You know, right? <laughs> so if, if I, I think that to. that supply demand thing has been sorted out in the meantime. But probably because it's people like that really no, I, I, just, or, I could use the word desperation but desperation really sort of uh inspires <laughs> ingenuity right? or, doesn't what, it what is it what is that uh the need ah there's a saying about invention oh, um is, i don't you know the one i'm talking laziness about laziness is yeah, the mother of invention oh, yeah. or something like this but i think yeah. this case it's desperation necessity is the mother of invention inspires yeah, ingenuity. yeah right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Same thing, right? Same thing. Right? That's yeah. It. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's no small task uh, to, to, to be an addict, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you've, you've gone through so much. And as you said, too, and I think about this, the addiction now is so much more, well, it's, it's very, it's fatal to, to live through the years that you have. And it's, mm-hmm. um, talk about the, the Russian roulette, you get one dose of fentanyl that could be deadly and uh, that's why so many young people are now dying too soon. Uh, but yet, um, yet with all this knowledge, with all, and this is what, what you're doing, what we're doing here is to, is to get the word out, to talk to people, to expose these things. Yet the deaths are still increasing, even with all this knowledge we have. I, I don't understand um, how fentanyl so I'll, I'll speak more about the drug landscape from somebody who's in it for so long. Mm-hmm. It used to be you were an up or you were a down. To put that in perspective, as somebody who was in the drug game, most of my my entire adult life, really, up until just now, for the most part, um, I had never seen heroin. I could count on one hand up until five years ago, four years ago for sure, how many heroin addicts I had ever met. Yet I had been in the drug game my whole life because you were an up or you were down. The two sides would never have occasion to speak to each other, right? You just wouldn't. And it wasn't that I looked down at them or they looked down at me. We just, we are two totally different worlds. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody was doing fentanyl. And it was, it, it felt like the course of a month, maybe, maybe three months, the whole city where I was at in Regina anyway, and I'm sure this was the same thing you know, continent-wide, worldwide, really, I imagine. Everybody was doing fentanyl. I don't know how it happened. There was there's some timing with COVID in there where where COVID messed up, like COVID screwed up the drug market in ways that 
we there, we could do a whole show about what what it did to the drug economy. Yeah. Um, but I know COVID had something to do with it. It had something to do with the drug economy and the the whole supply demand prices up, prices down. Fentanyl became really available all of a sudden, and it's gone down in price. You know, when I got arrested a few years ago in this, the city I was in, the going price was about four thousand dollars an ounce. Now you can now well under a thousand dollars you can get an ounce for, right? Even in that into like way away from the coast, way away from the border city of Regina, you, for under a thousand dollars you can get an ounce of fentanyl. So the price has come way down. It's just it's crazy. It's I don't understand how so many people that were up went to a down like that, right? And then well, you've got fent- it's something to do with meth in there as well, but. It just, it changed so fast and I don't know why. And I believe the deaths are getting worse because tolerances keep going up. People are using more and more. Add in the benzos, add in the, the xylazines, whatever. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Mm. And now it's, you know, and and again, the, like you said, the, the one and done guys, the kids who bought some ecstasy. Mm. You know, we did a memorial episode. Um Harlan Forger, what was his name, the, the young guy, 30 years old, barely ever touched drugs, now and again did some ecstasy, whatever, you know, maybe smoked a joint here and there, not a drug addict per se, Foray, sorry, yeah, Harlan Foray. Um, his dad was a, it was horrible, his dad was a heroin addict, sober for four years, with the help of his son Harlan. Right, We're talking a 30-year-old kid who had had the same job for 10 years. That's who Harlan was. Him and three of his buddies buy some, buy some ecstasy at a bar, go into the bathroom, crush it up, do a line, boom, four of them hit the floor. Just like that. Right? Like, what a horrible story. What a horrible, horrible story, right? And Joseph, he's still sober, and by the grace of God, he's still sober. Because that would a lot, put a lot of people, you know, that would have driven him back into the throes of, of it, Right? But that's just one story that's been repeated over and over and over again, right? Like you say, you know, it's, and it's I awful. Think you're, you're right. The, the tolerance, the accessibility, and the cost. I mean, the cost is so low. Accessibility, yeah. you can get it anywhere. Um, yeah. I have three, I have four grandkids. Three of them are teenagers, and they say, yeah, if, if you want it. That must be terrifying. You can get like, it in 20 minutes if you want it. Yeah, 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 it right. is. It is terrifying. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have yeah. kids of my own, so it's you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not thankful that I don't because it's something that I, I missed out on for years of being a moron. But uh, some days I am, you know, so I don't because I don't have to worry the same way, you know, right? It's oh man, I can't imagine. I can't imagine, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's it, it's very hard, and there's a lot that you can't can't control. Obviously, they're no. out of your uh, out of your uh, sight for a good eight hours a day, whether in school or uh, yeah, so you know. on. Yeah, and you know that that brings up something that that I do like to talk about. If you don't mind me, yeah. kind of taking yeah. the conversation there. Sure. The families. So, if you have a son or a daughter, and and I get messages, Mike, I get messages all day, every day, from people who are who have kids or who are in it and. You know, and what do I do? And, and mothers who, you know, want to share their stories and, and that type of thing. And I consistently say, 
there's not much you can do, but make sure that you're there. Keep the connections open because connection is vital, right? Love them. Let them know they're loved. Use the words you are loved, right, which is a big part of our brand here. But if it was my kid, if it was my kid, I don't know. I don't know that I wouldn't go handcuff him to a pipe in the basement, <laughs> right? Because what do you, you know, what do you do, right? Like, how do you, you know, I don't know. I don't know, right? Yeah. When, when it's that close, sometimes rationality, logic doesn't always apply. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, right. So, yeah, I've, I've recently done some reels on that and it just, I, what would I do? I don't know that, I, I don't know that, you know, and it, one of the things that we're facing right now here um, is a big debate is mandated treatment. Now, I, I don't know what that's like in your part of the world, if that's a thing. Um, or coerced treatment or whatever you want to call it, um, forced treatment. But something that we're really exploring here in Alberta, you know, my province, is do we say because you are so far into addiction and you check all the boxes for the Mental Health Act, right? All the things, if a schizophrenic walked in, they would check all the boxes that somebody who's got a really bad fentanyl addiction would say, for instance, mm-hmm. and they would they would commit them to psychiatric care. But we don't do that for addiction because of the stigma, because of the fucking stigma. We don't do that, right? Instead, we say, yeah, you, no, you addiction isn't did. something that we do yeah. that with, even though you check all the boxes, so go out and kill yourself slowly or do whatever it is that you're doing. It's messed up, right? So that it, it's something that, it's a big debate here right now. Um, I, I think our, our provincial government's about to come out with uh, and drop a pretty big hammer that way. Actually, is is kind of the sense that we're all getting that we're going to have we're going to have that soon. Right? And so, I will say yeah. that I know you did a recent episode about you know forced treatment and a recent yeah. podcast you had. I was listening yeah. to that, yeah. so I'll yeah. I'll say if if the listeners want to tune into that, go to Ashes to Awesome podcast with Chuck Laflange, and you'll find that episode. Because that is that's very interesting. That's yeah, um, a two a podcast dot com a number two a podcast dot com two a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and I I went through uh, through that. And I, you've again, you've got so many, <laughs> so many topics right. you've covered. We're at one hundred and seventy four now, I believe. Right? Wow! <laughs> wow! It's wow! In Ten months. Yeah. Well, well that yeah. is a recent one, so that's easily found. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the thing, too, and we talk about this, and I, and I always think, you know, we talked about the stigma, and we before we were, we were on here, we talked about that, and that's certainly something that it changes. Um, I hope it's changing because it certainly often prevents people from seeking treatment, prevents people from talking about it and being honest about it. And I think years ago, um, mental health, mental illness, there was a stigma about that. And go back 50, 60 years and nobody yeah. talked about that. Now certainly that's opened up and certainly that's more accepted and all kinds of people have therapists and freely talk about, oh, I am seeing my therapist. Well, if you talked about that 50 years ago, they would have looked at you sideways, right? Oh, um, oh and, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's, right, a, right. there's an old movie, and I don't know why I think of this, but there's an old movie that I love the movie. It's uh, called King's Row and okay. uh, it's mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan's in it. And, oh, and a few okay. others. Oh, that is an old movie. It is yeah. a very old movie. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, anyway the 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 theme of the movie is, is about um, the early stages of, of psychiatric treatment. 
Okay. Um, yep. And uh, there's all kinds of aspects about that and how that was hidden and how that evolved and how there was one person who said, we, we have ironic. to bring this out. We have oh, to talk about this. Yeah. And and it's all, all those that years ago. That is so ago, but it, ironic we, because of yeah. Reagan is the, like, Reagan is the war on drugs. Reagan is like the whole, like, oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He's, what they did to to society around addiction was like they messed it up man like like the reagan era the war on drugs crap was just you know oh <laughs> that's that's ironic that he did that movie of all things because you know <laughs> the right. stigma that they've created around around addiction is is still it's here to this day right you know right so the war on drugs doesn't work we know yeah, that, that, now, that but, didn't have the effect know, the right. intended effect did it yeah uh, no, no. But no, it, no. so here we are, fifty years later. And why I even mention that? It's sort of it reminds me. It equates to the fact that that changed, and so can this, right? And I feel it has. It's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, that that moral model that that you know that kind of surrounds addiction. Yeah. We're, we're still there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've got someone in my my f- f- very close to me. I, I got to be careful how I say that who's still stuck in that way of thinking and it's frustrating and, and it's hurtful sometimes. Right. And, it, and it's caused some pretty big rifts between us. And, oh man, I just get, I get so frustrated with it. I think realistically we're a generation away from addiction being normalized the way that mental health is now. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably still maybe half a generation away from that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of crap still stuck from, you know, um, people wanting to keep it secret and I get it. Some pe- you know, p- people want to keep, but just think about why, why do you want to keep it secret? I don't keep a broken leg secret. I don't hide that from people. Right. <laughs> but, but I want to hide my addiction from people or my history with addiction. Right. Because, because of the stigma, 100% because of the stigma. Right. Right. You know, and I, you know, I, I remember going through about a depression a few years back and how I was able to, you know, I took some pills and I felt so much better and it did, I, you know, it, it helped. But having to, like, when I talked about it, it was like, it was a thing. It was, it was a thing that I was actually openly talking about depression and how I had taken these pills. And that was, that was like five years ago, man. Right. So like we're, we've got some work to do. We do. Right. And yeah. I'm, I'm done I'm done keeping it secret. I'm, I'm, I've just, I see what it does to people. I felt that hurt, that perceived lack of connection. Me believing that my family didn't want me around was the boot on my neck for the last two years of addiction. Mm-hmm. Right? So we, we just have to do better. We have to normalize it. We have to, we have to let people know that it's okay to come out and talk about it. And, and, and you know, if your kids got it, talk about it. Because I guarantee yeah. you there's a mother right, there's, a, there's yeah. another soccer mom, there's somebody else in the room who wishes to hell she would talk about it. She could talk about it. So until we start doing it, you know, right? So, yeah. And, and yeah. you find if somebody can relate to it or somebody else who's gone through it, um, it it's then that's when somebody will pour out and say, right? Oh, you can right? relate. You understand. Can you imagine yeah. the sense of like what that must feel like oh. to a mom, for instance, right? Which is what, what you're doing is part of the reason I love what you're doing, Mike. Right, is because you you've taken those family stories and, and you're sharing them, and to me that's it's a big part of what we do here now, and and that's exactly why, right? Because I I can tell you the yeah. feedback I get from the people that listen to our show, 
are so thankful. You know, I wish, I wish we were to heard about your show. I wish there was a community like yours around 20 years ago. I wish, I wish, I wish. And you're doing the same thing. And I just, I absolutely love that about what you're doing, Mike. And that's, you know, yeah, yeah, right. And the families, because, and believe me, I'm, I'm like most people. And this is one of the things that I've learned and partly why we're doing this, because no, I will say I'm, I'm not in recovery myself. However, too many people that I care about have lost their lives. Too many people in my family have gone through addiction. I've seen it. I've been close to it. My best friend shot himself in the head under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And it's just too close to home. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And the more I was learned about this, I'm like, oh my goodness, wow. If I had known this, if my friend or family member had known this, if we had only approached this differently. Right. So when... uh, And and can, can, can I ask you why? Why didn't you know? Why didn't they know? What, what, if you had to pick one reason, what is it? Why? What? Because I didn't have a reason to. I didn't have a reason Stigma. to know. And and but only, why didn't and I, they know? I right? did have a reason, but I didn't. I didn't know it. But, but you know why you didn't know? Because it's stigma. Right. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is stigma. It, it all comes back to that. Mm-hmm. It always comes back to that, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think in the book that I had written, I think we might have talked about this called Voices from the Fallen, where it's eight different yeah. stories. And most important aspect of that book, I think, is in the eight stories, there's family perspectives. What the mother was thinking or doing. 100% that is in my mind. Right. The interaction. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you get yeah. That, yeah. that perspective yeah. and right. how it affects them. And, of course, it's like there's call it 100,000 overdose deaths last year in the United States. Yeah. Well, that's how many people did that death affect? Well, 10, uh, 10, 10 hundreds. I, so I love that you're asking that question. Millions of people that this affects. I love that you're asking that question because yes. I asked the same one over and over again. Mm-hmm. I give an arbitrary number of 10 knowing that it's very low. All right. 10 to 1, 10 for every addict. Right, knowing that that number is low, very low. When's the last yeah. time you went to a funeral with ten people right. at it? Right, right. You know, right. It doesn't exactly. happen. Right, especially for a young person. Ah, oh, so many young people. Right, but even at yeah. ten, even at ten, right. That's a hundred thousand people. Or that's a million people affected. Right, mm-hmm. that's a million people. So, a seven forty-seven falls out of the sky every single day. That's how many people die of overdose. Right. What would happen if it were anything else? Right. COVID never even got close to those numbers. Not even close to those numbers. No. And the world shut down. Why why aren't we doing something? Stigma. That's why. Fucking stigma. You know. It's a good part of it. Right. Big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. And partly why what we have we have a lot of um, different people on our show who Oh, gosh, people who share their stories like yourself, people who work in uh, care providers. We have community leaders. Uh, we have our own um, state senator who talked about the programs he's initiating, but also his story of recovery. And that's why I mention it and why he's on to, to, to get rid of, to reduce that stigma, to say, look, at, here I am talking about this. And, and I think right. with the stories yeah. and what yeah. we talk about and my big purpose and the word I use a lot is I want my program and my book to be relatable so people say yeah i see that i see us in in that person i absolutely i had the right. same issue the same concerns uh it has to be relatable for people to connect to it 100 percent. 
One hundred percent, it yeah. does. Right. So yeah, and we we try every day. You know, that's that's the community that that yeah. we're trying to build here. Right. Is you know, and to normalize it. And one of the things that, as somebody who's you know, podcast and a growing podcast like we both are, what we I feel have the responsibility to do even if you want to call it that certainly a calling for me anyway is connecting people now yes because you've got so many people so you know every day you know your show's growing my show's growing right but we have the ability now to connect people whose stories are similar but more than that we have hey you know what you're you're in la i i got a guy in la who i talk to sometimes he he might be able to help you out with that Right. Or you're in Florida or you're in. So that's one of the areas that I, I try really hard to do. Right. You know, um, you know, I've got my, my interventionist buddy down in Florida, you know, my sponsor treatment in, in, uh, um, or my sponsor, um, Yatra treatment centers in Thailand, you know, I've got a recovery house and a treatment center in Vancouver. And it's, it's about, Hey man, if we, if we can help, you know, one of our listeners is in South Africa. She called me looking for Narcan. Well, now I'm calling my buddy in Thailand, trying to get her some, some Narcan into to South Africa or, or, you know, yeah. like to be able to do that, to, to be able to connect people to me. I just, I love, I love being able to do that and, and maybe see some results. Right. You know, so yep. yeah, it's pretty yep. powerful stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. you and I uh, will, we'll connect on a few other connections that, we each have because I got some people that I think would be very interested in your program. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, right, right. And, so. and and I want to jump back a little bit because you said about a, two years ago when you started thinking about getting sober. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it that made you finally say, "All right, I've had enough of this"? And I was okay. attached to that question is, was it just yourself, or was there an instrumental person who helped you get there? Ah, ooh. Hmm. Okay. What drove me to it was exhaustion, pure exhaustion. Like the fun had gone. I, I, by this time I had screwed up so much, you know, I, um, I wasn't dealing drugs anymore. Or at least I wasn't on, not in any sort of meaningful way. It was Christmas. I was alone in a basement. I'm hiding from a friend's family because I wasn't supposed to be there. I was I was cold, I was hungry, I was tired. And I just said, enough, like enough, like I can't do this anymore. And I texted my mom and my mom, for those months, we had started communicating again. And no matter how erratic my conversations with her were, and if you've talked to anybody with a loved one in addiction or any addict, they'll tell you about all sorts of erratic conversations and crazy things, right? It always ended with, you are loved. My mom made sure I knew that all the time. She would say it to me randomly in messages. You are loved. You are loved. And that's why it's, you know, it's a big part of the brand here. It's, it's, you know, it's under the logo in, in that text balloon specifically, because I got that a lot from her. So when I, when I had had enough, when I was done, done, I knew she was there. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to her and said, you know what, mom, like, I can't do this anymore. And I got to tell you, man, a few hours later, she picked me up. She lived about an hour away in, in another small city. She picked me up. I had an apartment. I, she, like, she had, and I say an apartment, I mean, it was a one bedroom with zero furniture, zero anything in it. You know, we had to go get a mattress from another apartment and bring it in and put it on the floor when I got there. But I had a safe, warm place to be. Mm -hmm. 
to start to figure things out and I could, I could start living again, right? Within hours of me making that call to my mom. That was my, when I first started to get sober. Recovery is not linear. Sobriety, getting to sobriety is not linear. Relapses happen. People need to be, you know, aware of that and, and patient of that if you have someone in your life because it's just not. A relapse is almost guaranteed. I, I always hear the number seven that was my seventh attempt, and I don't, I'm not sure what my count was. It seems to me it was somewhere around seven, right? Okay. You know, relapses before I before I finally got there. But my mom throughout all of that loved. She just loved, right? She's the one who suggested a podcast. She's um, the daily gratitudes that we do inside every episode. That comes from mom. You know, that's 100% comes from mom. You know, she basically hit me upside the head with a, with a journal on my last, my, finally my last relapse and said, yeah, you're doing, you're doing your daily gratitudes now. So enough of that, right? Like, I'm not taking this from you anymore. You're going to start listing them off because so, it's a big part of recovery, right? You need something positive to hold on to because times get shitty and desperate when, you, when you're in it, right? When you, when you first start recovering. The you are left message comes from mom. She has been instrumental in so much of my recovery and the show and all the things, right? She, and now there's mothers from all over the country and all over, all over North America that reach out to mom, Wow. to my mom, because you know, she's been on the show. She, she makes no secret about, you know, who she is. Chuck LaFlange isn't even my real name. My real name's Chris Horder, but, but you know, like, um, that was just because of the way things started. Right. But so Chuck LaFlange is, you know, it's, it's, it's my stage name now and it's an identity that I've just started right. to use and here we are. Right. But my mom makes no secrets about who she is and people people constantly reach out to her because she's, she said like, yeah, mom, right. 46 years old. And I'm more of a mama's boy than I ever was. That's fantastic. That's wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, but the yeah, whole yeah. key to that is knowing you were loved by, and let's say that wasn't part of it. Um, that might've changed the direction. Yeah. I guarantee uh, I was at a point where I would carry some fentanyl with me in case today's the day I, I got the guts to do it. In case today's the day that I, I got the guts to end it. That's how desperate I was. And I would sell that because I wanted my crack and I would, you know, and I would, you know, I'd get my crack, but then I would feel empty because I didn't have that little bit of fentanyl with me. That's how desperate I was. I never did fentanyl, but I just wanted it with me in case today was the day I got the guts to end it, right? So without those messages and without knowing that from mom, yeah, there's no, there's no way I'm here. There's no way I'm here. Yeah. Right. Well, God bless so, your mom. Uh, right, right, right. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, she wasn't so far in Calgary. Is she in Calgary? Or Yeah, she, oh, no, no, she's in, uh, she's in Moostra. Saskatchewan, so okay. just just outside of Regina, yeah, yeah, about seven hours away from me now, yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and and you know, I should say, what's what I think is so. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, the final. So from that point to sobriety mm -hmm. was almost a year. Um, my father died. Oh, sorry. And I don't, oh, wow. thank you. Um, and that that was back here in Calgary, and I didn't get here in time. You know, because he was, he, I got the notice he had cancer and all, and he was dead a very short time later. But 
the day I got the news that he had cancer, I decided to get sober. I was sober for like two and a half weeks. And then he passed on, on the 21st of October. And I got really high that day. They're really high. Like I drowned all my sorrows in it. But then I woke up the next day and I've been sober since. So the 21st is my day because it, it coincides with dad's, right? Yeah. I just thought I got to do better for dad, right? Yeah. You know, so came back to Calgary for the service, decided I wasn't never going to go back to where I was, you know, and, and, and reconnect with all the people that love me. And here I am. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. due to your mom and your dad, you're here and look at the work you're doing. Yeah, and and right. this is what I love about yeah, what you're you. doing. Yeah. You know, you 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 can certainly go through and relate to all the the, the 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 trauma and all the things that brought you where you are. But look how many people who are listening now, who are hearing your voice, talk about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, and it's yeah, it's yeah. kind of got crazy there. The the growth just went nuts, right? So yeah, yeah. Yep. And you said it was your mom's idea to do this podcast. It was, it was. So yeah. how did that happen? Back when I first, you know, first started to get sober, I or attempted to get sober. I'd had this blog and we called it recovery of LaFlange. Right. So, and it was like immediately massively successful. Like on day five, there was something like 7,000 views. I, I was just, what the hell happened here? Right. To put that in perspective, I've had 7,000 views on like two things I've ever done since. Right. So yeah, like, yeah, it was okay. like, whoa, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, I found that I connected, uh, it, it wasn't so much about connecting with people in recovery. It was about trying to help moms and dads and, and loved ones find some respite from the guilt and all the things that, that come with having a, an addict as a loved one. Right. And I found that I was able to connect with them and, and that they were the people that were paying attention to my blog towards the end. And I, I don't get into why that, that went south for me. You know, I found some resentments and, and things and, and I chose to, you know, step away from that. But when I did get sober and I, you know, I'm back in Calgary and I need to work, but the PTSD is so bad at this point that I can't get on a city bus most days. I am so messed up from the PTSD, right? At this point, it is really, really bad. You know, this is 11 months ago now. Oh, I was in bad shape, you know? Um, so my mom's like, well, what would you do if you could do anything? I said, well, I write, but I mess that stuff up for, I mess that up for myself now. And I just don't, you know, I don't enjoy that the way I used to. And she said, do you ever think about a podcast? I never even listened to a podcast, right? Well, like a week and a half later, you know, I got a windows <laughs> seven laptop, no microphone, no headphones. And I'm, I'm just blah, 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 blahing into a computer. Right. So, and that, that's where the podcast was born. Right. You know, so um, I was, I was fortunate. I had yeah. some, some friends that were paying attention and, you know, I, I still remember the first donation I got was like, it was a hundred dollars cash and a $50 Amazon gift card. And I was able to buy a microphone, not this microphone, but I'm still using the same boom to hold that microphone. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I like, it was like, Whoa, man, look at this. I got a real microphone now. And it was like all my birthdays come at once, you know? And then slowly since then, of course, you know, I've upped my game a little bit and, you know, I've, I've still got that microphone. I, I don't think you could peel it from my cold dead hands for what it meant to me, you know, right. But, you know, and then, you know, my uh -huh. second donation was, and these are people again from years and years and years ago, right. 
My second donation was uh, was a $75 e-transfer that I was not expecting from somebody who's still very, very close to me. Actually, I plan on seeing her later on today for coffee. And those things just kicked off a thing. And, you know, I, I've been able to, to spread a message and, and do some great things, you know. So, and, you know. Been, and, yeah. and, it's phenomenal. And I, I've we've got a long it. ways to go, but, yeah. you know, it feels good. It feels it, good some days. And, you know, and just and 16 hours a day. And, oh, geez, right. But, you know. And just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, as I said earlier on, you're pretty busy with this and, and a lot of content there. And, again, just say where people can find your, your podcast. So we're at a2apodcast.com. Um, and, of course, we're on all the social media networks as well. It's just search Ashes to Awesome Podcast. Um, we are literally on every social media now. I don't think there's any that we're not on, right? I got on the Snapchat bandwagon recently too. So, um, but yeah, our YouTube channel has all of our, all the episodes. Um, but the website, the website's worth checking out because it, it interlinks everything. We've we've got, uh, the shattered stigma project there, which is something I think that, that you would really like Mike. Um, the star of that is a, is a lady out of Brockville, Ontario, um, Tammy Preston, but it's blog posts from people. So she's got a daughter who's still living it, who's still in the active addiction, and Tammy's sharing her experiences in real time. Mm. And that that's some pretty powerful stuff there, right? So, you know, that's at a2apodcast.com. And what what she does, oh, Tammy is, you know, she's she's one of our very first listeners we ever had. I, I talk to her almost daily, and she's just this beautiful soul. And the ups and downs, and she's raw and she's real. The way she shares that, right? So it's it's something else. But yeah, yeah, that's just shattered stigma project. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, I'm tuning into yeah. that. I think it's worth mm-hmm. diving into that. Well, Chuck, um, listen, we're we're starting to run out of time. I'm not yeah, me. I guess so. But, uh, <laughs> because I could talk to you all day, you know. Yeah. Uh, right, so right. I, I appreciate you, you taking time out. And, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is there's so much to talk about. If You you know, and so many topics that you, that you cover, I'd love to have you back. We could zero in on a few things. Anytime. Like again. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, Perfect. you know how to book me now. Great. So, yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do. And I'm learning a lot from you, too. I'm learning a lot from you. So I appreciate that. Ah, you know, yeah. Anything I could do to help. Yeah. If one, if I could help one person not go through the insane learning curves that I've had to go through, you know, just the few things that, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll speak to this real funny just because it is funny. Yeah. For the first like two months, stumbling around in the dark with my friends trying to like, what do I do here? What do I Google this tutorial, that blah, blah. And one day I was like, I wonder if there's a Facebook group that has something to do with podcasting. Well, it turns out there's a bunch of them with tens of thousands of people. And I could have saved myself all sorts of crazy stuff by just paying attention to that, right? So one of the best connections I made, and I'll do a little plug here for him, was with with Scott from the No New Friends podcast. He does a comedy podcast. He's out of Florida. They are just, it's for adults about adulting, right? And it's just... It's like a Seinfeld kind of pod, whatever. It's just about dumb stuff. But he mentored me through so much, so much of what I've learned. Um, and, and he used to come on the show all the time for that Just a Tips Thursday thing that we do because he's a comedic genius. So I got to take a break from my my ridiculous, you know, or from my, my insanely serious schedule and just do some dumb stuff, right? So Scott and I would, uh, you know, just have some fun about living in, recovery and addiction and, and all those things right so that's yeah. fun and it breaks it up too You're, you got to break yeah. up the the normal right. routine yeah, uh, yeah. right well yeah. good well great well it was great yeah. having you 
um, and likewise, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And it's great to be on. So, also, yeah. with all the uh, people listening, we appreciate it. Tune into our website, healingvoicesproject.org. We appreciate everybody listening here. Um, thanks again for joining us, and thanks again, Chuck. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, thank right. you. See thank you. you. All right. I, I'm not. Re- I'm. St- yeah. uh, okay. I'll yeah. end the recording. I can. I can end the recording here, right? And st- yeah. We can still talk. Absolutely, you can. Yeah, you definitely want to before I leave. <laughs>